and welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast where we explore simple living and high thinking. Each week, we join Vivek Gupta as he offers insights on bringing the divine into the daily. Last week, we began our study of the text, Peace in a Restless World, made up of 18 articles written by individuals who lived and worked for peace. This text shows us that finding peace in others begins within ourselves. This week, Vivekji continues this study as we look at articles 4, 5, and 6 written by Swami Chinmayananda, Paramahansa Yogananda, and Pravrajika Virajaprana. In this episode, the authors and Vivekji give us insights on the nature of materialism, time, and understanding. Let's dive in. Destin is. <laughs> Destin is on the west side of Florida. And I was thinking a lot today that we're a few hours west of Jacksonville, where a group of people have come together to play video games, you know, something that's relatively innocent. But how even something so innocent can be turned otherwise by vices. And I was also thinking about one of the articles we were to read is by Paramahansa Yogananda and how he shares that guns don't create any lasting change. And I had posted that even before I had obviously heard about what had, had happened in, in Jacksonville. But anyways, some observations about life. A Raja, in English that is a king, but don't take this too literally. It means people who are leaders. A Raja is one who has the most responsibilities. And a Raja's primary responsibilities are to provide security, health, and knowledge. Security, health, and knowledge. Now let's think about ourselves. I'm positive that at the point of life that we're in, we have more responsibilities today than we've ever had. Everyone can agree to that. And it's as if every day there's more responsibilities. Responsibilities towards ourselves to feel secure, to be healthy, to pursue knowledge. And only if you are doing this for yourself can you share the same with others, can you truly be responsible? Our strengths and weaknesses naturally affect us, but they affect all. And if we're clear about today, I have more responsibilities than ever towards my profession, towards my spouse, towards my child, towards my parents, towards the community and society, then I must invest more in myself. I must make self-development a priority. 
And that is the vision. That's, this is the purpose behind our Evolving Adults Study Group, our Chinmaya Setukari Satsang. As long as we're clear about this, this will be most meaningful if we are unclear about this. And this will become um, ineffective, will become redundant. It's up to you. We are trying to pursue peace in a restless world. And in the text we studied, in the first article by Swami Tejomayananda, it's entitled, Peace in a Restless World. And he shares, it is through dharma that we reach Brahma. It is through being steady and sincere with our responsibilities that we're able to feel peace. This is not external, contrary to what the world is trying to sell us. Peace is internal. In the second article by Swami Pranavatirtha, he shares that peace needs to be addressed actively through yajna, tapa, and dana. Yajna means dedicating, tapa means investing, and dana means sharing. This is why we chant shanti three times. Om shanti shanti, shantihi. Let there be peace far away, nearby, within. We have this culture to chant the first shanti loud. Far away, shanti. Quieter, the people around me, shanti. And the third shanti is a whisper that only I can hear. If we think about this more carefully, what is being shown is the, the purpose, the path, and the person. The purpose, path, and person. The person has to be peaceful first. That's why that last shanti is shared, that this is for you. Your path becomes to radiate that shanti. And the purpose is for there to be peace in a restless world. Everyone caught that? We share shanti, shanti, shanti so ritualistically, isn't it? We just fire through that. The faster I say it, the more shanti there'll be. But there's such depth to the science of why we should chant it in a certain a noise level, the vision behind this. Finally, in our third article that we studied, A Call for Transformation by Bharati Tirtha, what he shares is that greed is the cause for the restlessness in the world. And he's sharing that only when we end greed will the Will there be peace? But where is this greed? We keep attributing this to the medical system, to the schooling system, to the political system. But that system is based on humans. Humans are based on thoughts. Greed is a thought. To address that thought, when we transform the greed thought to generosity thought, peace prevails 
This is what we studied last month. This is a review. A month is a long time. There was articles. <laughs> this isn't about cooking. <laughs> now we continue. Article 4 is called An Inquiry into Peace by Swami Chinmayananda. One of the synonyms that we often hear for samsara is materialism. Especially us who live in North America, where materialism is success. This is associated with samsara, this idea of materialism. The more we depend on materials, articles, circumstances, beings, the more this causes anxiety. Do you agree? The more you depend on materials, the quality of your cell phone, the speed of your car, the square footage of your home, the more you depend on that, the more anxious you are for getting more, the more anxious you are of this not being enough. What's a popular movie that's out right now relating to materialism? Crazy Rich Asians, no? <laughs> so Sheila and I, we drive a lot and we like to listen to audiobooks and not too serious of audiobooks because we drive at night now. We leave our cities at 8, 9 p.m. when Vyasa sleeps. So Sheila really wanted to listen to Crazy Rich Asians. So we're, we're listening to that audiobook right now. And it's astounding to see the degree of materialism with the personalities in this book and how much of anxiety they have towards their friends, towards their family. It just makes you think, what was the point of all of these materials if it's destroying your friendships, your family? So here Swami Chinmayananda is asking us, are we clear about what we're desiring? What do you desire? Is it a promotion? Is it a beautiful spouse? Is it a child whom you can feel proud of? If we're not clear about our desire, then where will we go? If you don't know what address to put into a GPS, <laughs> it's not really effective then. It's not really efficient. Swami Chinmayananda teaches in this article what we all want is an independent satisfaction. These are his words. An independent satisfaction. And when we are independently satisfied, we feel silent. Those are very deep words, a deep teaching. Satisfaction is, can be replaced by happy, joy, etc. But the key word is independent. And where there's independence, there's silence. Where there's dependence, there's noise. And noise comes in the form of stress, anxiety, depression. Swami Chinmayananda shares what we actually desire is quietude. And a very worldly example of that is being hangry. When we're hangry and you eat a peanut butter and jelly bite, Vyasa eats those, so I pretend to give them to him, but I actually eat them. <laughs> and 
you know when you're when you're hangry and you eat that peanut butter and jelly bite and all of a sudden that anger goes away and we think wow that peanut butter and jelly bite that Costco sells they're actually selling happiness when all that happens is that the noise in my mind that is caused by my stomach being hungry my stomach is no longer hungry so my mind has become quiet so i start to experience what's actually there so it's not an article being circumstance that i desire i desire quietude and this noise will always be there until that quietude deepens to silence this is why we organize a silence retreat once a year the upcoming one is next month for 100 hours and how day 1 day 2 people struggle so much physically mentally but as soon as some quietude is tasted they love it and they come back year after year after year because it's an independent satisfaction there's no cell phone there's no private room there's no tasty food there's no eye contact there's no puja there's no japa there's no reading there's no writing there's nothing but themselves and there's so much power in experiencing that quietude and reaching that silence and our author even shares that every desire we have is a message to us that we need to wake up to what we're doing what a lovely way to describe a desire it's a message to us in new cars when you're driving and you drift out of the lanes it starts beeping or the um steering wheel will shake it's a message that you're offline a desire is the same way that noise is telling us that focus on quietude the path to all of this from anxiety to independent satisfaction is self analysis remember the title is an inquiry into peace Swami Chinmayananda says self-analysis is the path to self-perfection. But without self-analysis there can be no self-perfection. The next article this is article number 5 in the text a peace sorry peace in a restless world is called a world without borders by Shri Yogananda, also known as Paramahansa Yogananda. How many of you have read Autobiography of a Yogi? That would be his most popular book. This article that I have to speak on for 10 minutes is truly unfair. This article we can speak about for the next 11 months. There's so much content. And naturally I have to share some insights with all of you. Parmahansa Yogananda shares he begins this article by sharing we need peace now more than ever we need peace now more than ever when was this article written this article was written in the 30s i want to be very specific with all of you 1939 what happened shortly after world war 2 correct so he's feeling that we need peace now more than ever now let's fast forward to 
Now, don't we feel we need peace now more than ever? I feel every year, every generation feels we now need peace more than ever. But there's a certain truth to us saying it as time goes on because from a metaphysical level, the period of time we're living in is called Kali Yuga. The period of Kali is translated as selfishness. Kali is interpreted as conflict, as noise. Kali is also interpreted as speed. We are living in a period where speed is greater than ever. Cars are faster. Wi-Fi is faster. Our thoughts are faster too, right? I'm not sharing that in a positive way. Our thoughts are faster also. And so Paramahansa Yogananda shares that time erases all. If you connect this back to the earlier article about materialism, how long does your car last? Remember the first car you drove? And how that, that was the car that's going to be there forever until you got into a car accident and it was total. Everyone goes through those experiences, right? Maybe it's a significant other. You know, it's Bollywood styles. What Bollywood has taught me is that the first person that I'm going to meet, there's going to be rain, there's going to be some in-laws involved, <laughs> and that's going to last forever. Time erases all. Every article, every being is erased by time. And so what we are Restless about my home. He brings a lot about my country in this article. That's going to be erased. We should go deeper into who we are, deeper into life. And the word that Paramahansa Yogananda uses again and again and again in this fifth article is understanding. I've read this English word a million times maybe, heard it a million times, like you have, but only after reading this article has more light come to me about what understanding is. Understanding is what is standing under. And in the word, in the uh, terminology of Bhagavad Gita is avatishtati. Avatishtati means what's standing firmly. What is not changing in you, in me, in us, underneath that which time can erase, there is a presence that is standing, isn't it? Whether that's existence, awareness, joy, whether one calls that God. When I look at you with understanding that, yes, your hair is like this and your opinion is like this, but underneath all of this is standing divinity, the same standing divinity in me, I listen to you more than. I try to identify with you more than. But if that understanding is not there, I'm focused on that which time is going to erase, then I don't care. I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care if I don't help you. Because it's very temporary, isn't it? Everything's in exchange. Connecting it back again to materialism. 
Paramahansa Yogananda shares that we all love our own thoughts. Someone who loves their own thoughts is someone who's not empathetic, but is more apathetic. We always share that we should see the world from another person's shoes, right? But if I love my own thoughts, that means I'm only seeing the world from my own shoes. And so our author encourages us here, you love your own thoughts, but what's under your thoughts? What's standing under your thoughts? Again, is awareness, light, God. Start with yourself. Instead of loving your thoughts, which is the perspective of the ego, try to inquire what are thoughts, what is deeper than thoughts. The author gives a, a lovely life example. When he was growing up, he was taught that he should love his family. But slowly his family started to die. And as his family was dying as they became older, he was so shaken by this. His thoughts particularly were, um, there's stress, anxiety. But he inquired into who is family? What is death? What are thoughts? And please, don't intellectualize this. Try to relate to this. Every one of us is supposedly between the age of 25 and 45. Someone who's 15 years old probably doesn't think about their family dying, about their par parents becoming older. But as we're 25, 35, 45, we do need to think about that, no? he inquired into this and realized that what the creator is doing, using creation, he thinks this is his family, but it's actually creation, mother, father, siblings, etc. His love is being disciplined. That's such a deep idea. We think of physical discipline. We think of uh, being a disciplined driver, a disciplined writer, a disciplined um, someone who cooks, cleans, He's saying that his love was being disciplined, that it's not enough to love family only. That one has to learn to love their family and then community. Learn to love the community and then the nation. Learn to love the nation and then to love in an international sense, that is humanity. Or love to be more disciplined. And Paramahansa Yogananda gives a specific technique. How many of you are married? How many of you went through a Vedic Vivaha? Meaning your marriage ceremony was following the um, rituals of, of the Veda. At one point, the priest, the Pujari, may have told the couple the husband and wife, but primarily the wife, said, pointing at him, he is now, and what your feeling should be is, Pati Parameshwara. You remember hearing those devastating words? <laughs> Pati Parameshwara. Pati means, people take this literally, it means husband. Pati 
And people take it even more literally, it means master. <laughs> Pati means protector. And Parameshwara means the highest God, the creator. So when taken literally, if I'm a wife, I should treat my husband as God. Now there's two challenges to this statement. The first challenge is the opposite is not shared. Shouldn't it be Patni Parameshwari then? Right? Sheila should treat me as God, but I should treat her like my subject. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a good beginning to a marriage, no? <laughs> but more deeply than this, what should be shared is Parameshwara Bati. Parameshwari Patni. It is not my husband is God. It is God who has come as my husband. God who has come as my wife. God who has come as my child. God who has come as my uncle. God who has come as my neighbor. Because as long as you see the individuality first, an individual naturally has weaknesses, and we focus on that, correct? But if I see God first, I see strengths first. And if there's any weaknesses, this is part of the playing that's going on. So here, Paramahansa Yogananda says that what he learned is to see God as his family. That is the only way to live um, in a world without borders. But as long as my family, my community, my society, my nation, that minus will still cause restlessness. When God is my family, right away the fear of death goes away, no? Because God doesn't die. I know, as you're hearing this, if you've read this, it's really subtle. We may even feel this is impractical. May. But remember, everything else we've tried hasn't worked. Isn't there still more and more restlessness in the world? We keep getting older despite being in the flow of Vedanta, but our mind is still shaken more easily. If all of these doors are closed and there's another door which you can't see through, but it's open, we naturally have to walk through that door, right? You've all seen the movie The Truman Show. That's such an awesome part at the end, where he's looking back on samsara, everything that we've described in the negative, and then there's a door which he can't see through, and he walks through that door. And it's that faith that this is not working, this, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to try. It's that faith that actually helps him be free of this show, of the fakeness. And the final article is called Prescription for Peace by Pravrajika Virajaprana. And he is a disciple of Sri Sharada Devi. That is Sri Ramakrishna's Devi, Sri Ramakrishna's wife. And what he shares here is, 
As long as we look at the faults of others, our eyes become faulty. When we look at the faults of others, our eyes become faulty. Have you ever caught yourself um, developing this habit to just become a complainer? You become critical. And it's like the more you complain, the more you complain. The more critical you are, the more critical you are. And it's very easy to be sucked into that, but it's hard to come out of being a critical person, isn't it? And you know you are a complainer or a criticizer when people are just uneasy around you. Yes? And part of that is because we're looking for faults. And the more we look for these faults, our eyes are trained in doing that. Like an ungrateful child who sees what they don't have instead of what they do have. What Sri Sharada Devi teaches is that there can never be outer perfection. Never can there be outer perfection. This is a deep lesson for many of us. The challenge we all face, the demographic that we all are, Many of us have never experienced fundamental failure. We've experienced some losing here, some loss here, but we've never experienced fundamental failure like maybe our parents have. Fundamental losing. You know, experiencing extreme racism where they couldn't even find employment. Extreme loss of leaving a whole hemisphere of of history. So all of us growing up, because we've been successful, we feel like we can create outer perfection. We can be so organized, so charismatic, so healthy, there will be perfection. But here Shishada Devi is saying, that's not possible. I feel that I um, had, I still have it, but I had this vice more strongly up until... The, la- the fifth Chinmay Inspiration Yatra, for those who are on that Yatra also, where I just had this revelation that being a perfectionist is my vice, not my virtue. Because when someone thinks that there can be outer perfection, they always think they're perfect and the people around them are imperfect. Looking for faults, they develop faulty eyes. Shisharada Devi tells us, teaches us, when we look at people to improve their strengths and ignore their weaknesses. Two eyes to remember. Improve and ignore. When you see someone's strength, that's your significant other, it's your cousin, it's your friend, improve their strength. And if there's a weakness, ignore that. We do the opposite, isn't it? We ignore their strength and we keep pressing on that weakness like a wound that can never heal. As for ourselves, we should be quite aware of our weaknesses. Because when we're quite aware of our weaknesses, we become more humble. Otherwise, every one of us, we're the best-looking people we know. We're the standard for morality. 
we all should have won prom queen, prom king, right? The school was wrong. The people voting were wrong. <laughs> when we're aware of our weaknesses, we become humble. And she extends, extends this to saying, we start to feel like we are a child. A child is very aware of their physical limitations size-wise, size-wise. Today I took Vyasa into the water and he, the whole, the whole time he was holding me closely at his head on, on my neck because he knows that this water is too loud. He knows this water is too cold. What he didn't know is that sand tastes salty. <laughs> he started eating the sand. I couldn't stop him because there's sand everywhere. <laughs> um, we should feel that we are like a child. And if we're a child, we have to have a parent, but this parent is the divine. When I know my parent is God, then I stop feeling that I can't do this and this and this. We started a, a Devi study group also. So once a month, it was this past Wednesday, we had a hundred Devis join us for our study group. It's a really epic feeling. And what um, I'm trying to encourage our Devis to feel is that they can do anything. That's how we know we're moving towards enlightenment is where you can feel you can do anything. And now don't think about this in like a DC Comics kind of way. <laughs> because then that anything is going to be negative, isn't it? <laughs> you know, as soon as you hear that, then, oh, I'm going to steal this, I'm going to break this. There's a hilarious part of The Simpsons where Lisa and Marge are talking in Lisa's room. And I think Lisa's being treated poorly at school. So Marge says to Lisa, kids can be so cruel. Bart's outside of the window on the lawn. He goes, thanks, mom. And he goes and kicks Millhouse. <laughs> he interprets that as kids can be so cruel as in that's permission <laughs> for him to be cruel instead of an observation. But once you start to feel you can do anything, that's when you've now felt that you are a child with your parent being the last thought for our sixth article is going with this idea of you can do anything. Uh, words that Shishada Devi uses. When one is aware of their weaknesses, they're more humble, more childlike. They become more dedicated. They become more inclusive. Two gauges of someone who's following this prescription for peace is you're more dedicated. You do not treat Monday morning any differently than any other day. Dedicated. You don't work all the time to go on vacation. Dedicated. And inclusive. You focus less on those isms. Sexism. Racism. Ageism etc, etc, etc. More inclusivity. That's when one is uh, following this prescription and you can start to radiate that towards others then. Peace in a restless world. If I am more dedicated and I'm more inclusive, 
then the people around me are going to be the same way, isn't it? We hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue on this journey to finding peace in a restless world. To follow along with your own copy, you can purchase the text Peace in a Restless World at www.chinmayapublications.com. Find us online at medium.com slash vichara gurukula. For those on the journey of self-development, Vichara Gurukula is a community forum that provides an opportunity to listen, reflect, and contemplate. Until next time, inspire, love, be.